Jude, the first four verses. Let us stand, please, as we read from God's Word. I'm going to read it slowly. That's what I normally do. I want it to sink in. There is something here, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to hear. And we've got to take heed. It's already been mentioned today uh, in Sunday school and even Brother uh, uh, Jimmy, I forgot his name, <laughs> uh, mentioned it just a while ago when he asked that question a while ago. All right, now pay, pay attention to what this says. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should... Now watch this. This is the key to the message that ye earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, and denying the only Lord God in our Savior, or our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you lead, guide, direct, direct my lips of clay to speak words of wisdom that need to be proclaimed. I thank you for this glorious book of Jude, and I pray in Christ's name, by all means, that you will speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. If there's anyone here who does not know the Lord by, by chance, I pray that this will be the day of his or her or their salvation. I pray for the, the great saints of God that's in here today <clears throat> that we will learn to contend for the faith. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This is entitled to contend for the faith. We're living in terrible times. You don't need me to tell you that. Just look at the news, listen to the radio, whatever. It, sometimes it gets depressing, and it's, it, it's just absolutely devastating. I never thought that I would ever see the day when things would be the way they are today. Now, I don't know about you. When I go into a Target store or a Walmart or Food Lion or Harris Teat or whatever, one thing I despise to do is put on that silly mask. But... That's what's required of us, so I guess we just have to follow the law. At least it's not breaking God's law, but it does irritate us, I know. But that's the way it is. Now, to contend is to struggle for the defense of the faith and to strive against the opposition. Now, we're living in a time, ladies and gentlemen, when we must contend for the faith and buck against the opposition that's out there because it is certainly there. Jude says... Now, by the way, in verse 1, now, let me read verse 1 again, and I want you to see something that's not there. What is there and what isn't there. Verse 1 says, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ, and called. <clears throat> now, Jude said he was the brother of James. Now, neither James in his epistle 
nor Jude in this letter mention half, being half-brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that kind of strange? Jude is a half-brother to Jesus. So was the James, the one who wrote the book of James. But neither one of them claimed that. Why is that? It's kind of weird. Well, first of all, you've got to understand one thing about both Jude and James. Neither one of them believed in the Messianic claims of Jesus until after the resurrection. Did you know that? They did not. They refused to accept Jesus Christ to be the Messiah. But after the resurrection, both of them did. Now, they recognize Jesus as the glorified Christ and that their human relationship is not that meaningful. So it was no big deal. The main concern was, now look at this in, in Jude. Jude, the servant or bond servant of Jesus Christ. That was by far more important to Jude than being a blood relative to him per se. See, they all had the same mother, Mary. They really were the half-brothers to Jesus Christ. Now, while Jesus was at Nazareth teaching in the synagogue, many commented about him. Listen to this in Mark chapter 6, verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and Judah, who is the same as Jude, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Did you know there are some people who believe that Mary was a virgin when Jesus was born, but remained a virgin? That's not so. Yes, she was a virgin when Jesus was born, absolutely. But she and Joseph had children like anybody else would under the miracle union. You understand that? And they had, Jesus had four half-brothers and I don't know how many sisters. So you need to keep that in mind. Now the first thing I want you to see here in verse 1 is the Christian concept. It says here, he's referring to these that he's addressing here. First of all, they're sanctified. Now, to be sanctified is to be set apart as holy, to be purified, consecrated. Saints are the object of his love. May I say something to you? Please understand this. If you're born again, if you've accepted Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, you have become a saint. Did you know that? I remember in my very first pastorate way back in Kermit, Texas. This was many moons ago. There was a lady in there, and she was a blessed soul. She and her husband both, they were tremendous people. They loved the Lord with all their heart, but she made a statement. She said, I'm not a saint. That's what she said. I said, now, wait a minute. I know what she meant, but that's not a true statement. If you're born again, you're a saint of God. You are positioned into sainthood because of sanctification. Isn't that great? So Jude mentions here that he's addressing these who are sanctified. Secondly, he says that they are preserved. Saints are preserved. That means to be guarded from loss or injury. It's to be keeping an eye upon and being watched. Have you ever been into a store, Walmart, Target, whatever, and you see a little kid by himself in the toy, toy aisle, not being watched by his parents. Ooh, that's not good. 
Whenever I see a kid like that by himself, I stand back and watch just in case somebody comes up and tries to manipulate him or her or do something he ought not to do. It's very dangerous. But God doesn't do that way. He preserves us in the sense that he keeps an eye on us. He watches us. That's what that word means. Believers are preserved in Jesus Christ. And that prepositional phrase is most important. It means to keep or give assurance in the day of apostasy. Folks, we're living in the day of apostasy. I'm going to prove it with Jude here. Now watch it. It's through God's marvelous grace. It's not a question of whether or not we hold to him, but rather his holding on to us. It's a matter of trusting the Lord God. He's holding on to you. He's preserving you. And then thirdly, Jude says in verse 1, you're called, you're called. The word here called means invited or appointed. It's an invitation sent out accepted and believed we're called from the world of sin and unto christ isn't that a marvelous thought you're called by god himself to come from the world of sin into the lord jesus christ and be born again something by the way that we do not deserve so there you have the christian concept in verse one now in verse two i want to move on quickly here because in verse three that's where the basic thing is that i want to preach about Verse 2 says, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. These would be the consecration or devotion that God has for the Christian. First of all, God shows mercy. Now this is that love of God which goes out to us in our misery here on earth. And we are living in misery, are we not? But God has mercy to sustain us, to keep us and to protect us. It's that compassion to treat an offender better than he deserves. Hey, we don't deserve that mercy. But he gives it to us anyway because of his great love. I don't know about you, but that puts shields, or chills rather, up and down my spine. Secondly, peace is mentioned. Watch it. This involves freedom from disturbance or agitation concerning the temper of the mind. This brings about security. I must admit to you, I have problems in this area. You ever harbor bitterness? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I have that problem. Uh, certain things go on in the political scene, or I read about something in the, even the, in the religious scene in some church that I've heard that has thrown away the, the, the songs that talk about the blood of Jesus, and they cast those songs out. They're now preaching a social gospel instead of the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, many churches are doing that today. Many major denominations. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get disgusted with that. But then I realize, despite that and despite the agitation, God gives us a certain peace within. And that's marvelous. Just what Jude is talking about here. Thirdly, he mentions love. I love this one. This is, of course, agape love. <clears throat> it involves complete affection and benevolence. May I say something to you, ladies and gentlemen? Good news, good news. You need to hear good news. God loves you. I don't care who you are, what language you speak, what color your skin is, what kind of sins you've committed. God loves you. Isn't that a marvelous thing? Jude had originally planned to write about the common salvation. Look at verse 3. 
Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. That's what he had intended to do, to write about the common salvation. However, now watch it. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, what does he mean by the common salvation? The common salvation is talking about that which all believers share in. If you're born again, all of us are involved in the common salvation. We've accepted Christ Jesus as personal Savior. By salvation is meant deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, and soundness. You have all of that in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the Holy Spirit detoured Jude from writing on that theme of the common salvation in order to send a warning concerning the impending apostasy that was coming forth. That matter of fact, in Jude's day, it had already come. It's a departure from the faith. Folks, we're living in that day of apostasy now. It's terrible, but we are. Now, he exhorted them to contend for the faith. Now, what does it mean to contend? To contend means to have a wrestling match. That's what it means, to have a wrestling match. The faith refers to the total Christian doctrine, all things involved in the Christian doctrine, the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus, the absolute perfection of Christ Jesus himself, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, the, the actual idea, the truth is, that Jesus is coming back again, and so on. Now, we may have disagreements as to how he's going to do it and certain uh, events, and so on. we disagree on that. But there's one thing we better agree on, and that is he is coming back. The Bible says so. And so that's part of it, and we are to contend for that. The business of the saints is to defend the faith that was once delivered. See that in verse 3 to them. The Christian faith is under attack. I guess you, would, you know that. So believers need to, put, to be, get exactly and actively involved. The day may come. You may be right when somebody comes through that door and point a gun at us. You know what they do at, at, at uh, Sheridan Park? I kid you not. In every service, there are two men who sit out there in the, in the hallway. What do you call that thing? What, yeah, whatever you call it. Right before you go into the sanctuary, and they can still hear the message going on. But they sit out there armed in case someone comes in. Really, we got people in Sheridan Park Church, male and female, who are armed. Now, I'm not one of them myself, but... <laughs> With the mistakes I make, it's not a good idea. But anyway, <laughs> but they do that. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way, because people are crazy these days. Now, the business of the saint is to defend the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, why is that? Look at verse 4. Now, watch this. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained, to this condemnation, ungodly men, 
turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me illustrate it this way. Y'all, for the most part, I say y'all, you came in the front door. Now, some of you didn't, but most of you came in through the front door. But what this is saying is there are certain men coming in the side door unawares, and they're slipping in. I have pastored churches where there were such people in the church like that. Not reasonable. Not I know of. Not that I know of. <laughs> but anyhow, but they slip in unawares, and they sit beside you in the pew, and they disturb the church, causes divisions within the church. That's what he's talking about here. And there were many like that. We have to be aware of that and be cautious of it, by the way. And by the way, did you know that sometimes it's a blessing to have people leave? It is. Now, I know that sounds awful because we, we like to have large numbers. But folks, you don't want these old hypocrites sitting in there with you causing disturbances and problems in the church. They settled alongside of the true believers by slipping in the side door. They were before of old, now watch this, ordained of this condemnation. In other words, it was prophesied beforehand that that was going to take place. So we've been warned, by the way. They were before of old ordained to this condemnation, this judgment. God is going to judge them one of these days. They were written about previously. <clears throat> and I want you to see that. The sentence of condemnation of these ungodly men had been pronounced long ago. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Peter warned us about this. He said in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, chapter 2, rather, verse 3, he said, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words, that means artificial, fictitious words, make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. Peter made that warning. Also, Paul warned of the same thing, uh, of these deceivers. He said to Timothy, he said to, in Timothy verse 2, 1 and 2 of chapter 4, he said, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, now watch it, he said that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. The, the seducing means deceitful spirits. And doctrines of devils or demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Did you know that these people who have this ungodly doctrine out there that we hear from time to time, do you know they actually believe what they say? You know why that is? Because their conscience has been seared. You know what it means to be seared? If you ever watch Westerns on TV, and I, that's basically what I watch when I watch TV, is Westerns. I like Gunsmoke and, and Bonanza and all these. But anyhow, and some of the movies... <clears throat> They brand, 
their cattle and their horses and their mules. Did you know that? They brand them for a purpose. To sear them, that's what that means, with a hot iron. So that, that if you sear a cow, if you brand a cow, then you know that cow belongs to you and no one else. That's what it means to be seared. Their conscience has been seared to believe this ungodliness that they're proclaiming. I want you to look with me. Don't lose Jude now, but I do want you to see this in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look over here, please. This is Paul writing. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Now watch this very, very, very cautiously. This is very important. Here's what Paul wrote. This know also that in the last days, hey, we're living in the last days now. Now watch it. That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now the word perilous means difficult, dangerous, furious. Are we not living in dangerous times today? We are living in dangerous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now watch this. Now see if this isn't the same thing that's going on in our world today. Now listen, this is almost like reading the day's newspaper. There should be lovers of their own selves. They'll covetous, wanting to take what doesn't belong to them. Look at all the folks that play the lottery. They're trying to get something for, for just a little, well, anyway, it's covetousness. And then boasters, people just boast and boast. They're proud. They're blasphemers. Oh, look at the next one. Disobedient to parents. Sometime back, I was in Target store. There, I think it was Target, there in Kernersville. That's where I live. And there was a teenage girl with her mama. And she told her mama to shut up. She did. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Oh my, people are not thankful today. Unholy. Without natural affection. You know what that is. And boy, that's running rampant all over our country today. Truth breakers. You don't know what to believe today. You can even sign papers and you don't know for sure that they won't break the truths there. The, then false accusers lying about one another. Incontinent. Now that's an interesting word. That means powerless. That means without self-control. There are some people who have gone so crazy that they're lost self-control. You can't do anything with them. That's incontinent. They're fierce. Despisers of those that are good. They're traitors. They're heady. Oh, by, that, by the way, the word heady means un, un, uh, ungovernable. You can't do anything with them. High-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. That's talking about some of the modern churches today, by the way. Oh, they have their services, but they're preaching and teaching the wrong things doing such ungodly things in the church. Have you noticed many of them have changed their music? They changed the message. I remember, I don't know if I've told you this before or not. 
Well, when Judy and I were doing the Harvest Child Care Ministries, and we were in Texas, and we went to a church. This was for the state association meeting of Texas. And we went to a church just outside of Houston. And I was looking for the church. I couldn't find it. It was called the Heritage Church. Not Heritage Free Will Baptist Church, but Heritage Church. I was looking for it. Then I found this church that said Heritage Church. Now, I was looking for Heritage Free Will Baptist. But I did notice that the parking lot had a lot of cars in it. The service started at 7. We were already 20 minutes late because I was looking for it. Anyway, we pulled into the parking lot, got out of the car, and I kid you not, I thought I was outside of a nightclub. I walked in, and I heard that loud so-called music. I opened the door to go, or Judy and I did, to go into the auditorium. They had, I think, four or five guitarists up there. And it looked like they just jumped off a freight train, if you know what I mean. <laughs> they had a set of drums up there. I kid you not, they had five microphones around the drums. Loud. And they had strobe lights in the... Folks, it's like walking in a nightclub. I thought, oh, my word. Well, anyway, after they got through with their so-called music, they finally had a preacher come up, and he did some great preaching. Now, the preaching was great. It really was. The next, the next day, and by the way, I'm a stickler about being on time. I hate to be late for anything. So the next day, I told Judy, I said, we're going to be coming in 20 minutes late again, so we won't listen to that horrible music. <laughs> that was one time I didn't care. So we came in the following uh, night, I don't know what night it was, but anyway, and they had, they were finishing up their so-called music. I was so glad I missed most of it. Had another great message, and that was wonderful. Praise the Lord for it. But but Judy and I had to leave the the uh, the, uh, the rest of the meeting because we had another meeting going on in Missouri. We did a lot of traveling, so we had to travel from Texas to Missouri to the next meeting. So we left. Now, later on, after we got through with a meeting in Missouri and came back home, I called the uh, moderator of the, uh, of the association, because he and, I, he and I were very good friends, by the way, <clears throat> to ask him for our records how many people were at the meeting. We needed that for our, for our records for Harvest Child Care. So he told me, and then he said, George, let me ask you a question. I said, his name was Keith, by the way. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, what did you think of the music? <laughs> well, I didn't hold back. I said, Keith, it was awful. It was terrible. I couldn't stand it. He had lots of complaints from people about that. What they did in Texas that particular year, they just allowed that church to do all the music. Usually what they would do, they would invite the, the Free Will Baptist Bible College, which is now Welch College, or the, the uh, college in Oklahoma to come and sing for them and so on, or pick out certain singers to come in who would do some decent music like you have here. But they didn't do it that year. He said, George, we will never do that again. And I said, well, I hope not. Well, anyway, folks, that's going on in our circle. All right.
Now, what does it mean to contend for the faith? Now, I want you to look at verses 3 and 4. Now, watch this very cautiously. There are two areas that I'm going to mention today. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. The word lasciviousness means immorality. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there are two areas that I want to mention here, and actually Jude does, that I want you to be very cautious about, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to contending for the faith. The first one, contend for the false teachers abusing grace. Those that are abusing grace. One of the main roads to apostasy is through false doctrine. One false teaching is that grace permits immoral living. Did you know there are actually people out there who say, I've been saved by grace. Now I can live like I want to, do what I want to do, go where I want to go, be with who I want to be, do whatever. It does not matter. I can sin and everything is okay. May I say something to you? It is not okay. Listen to what Paul said in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What did he say? God forbid. That means may it never be. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? I don't know about you. Whenever I do anything I shouldn't do, and I do, uh, by the way, we all do. When I sin, something tells me, George, that was not right. The Holy Spirit convicts you, and he deals with you. I can't understand these people who, can, who think they can just sin and sin and sin, and they claim to be Christians, and it doesn't bother them. I can say a wrongful word and regret it, because the Holy Spirit will convict me. Now listen, folks, it is normal because you're living in the flesh to once in a while flub it up and sin. We do that. But to linger on in sin is not the Christian way. You've been saved from that. Peter gave this command in 1 Peter chapter 1. See, Peter had something to say about this too. In verses 15 and 16, Peter said, but as, he, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. The word conversation means behavior. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now Peter was quoting from the Old Testament from Leviticus chapter eleven forty four. We are to be holy separated unto God from the world and from sin and from Satan. Got, got that? Now the second thing, and I'll close with this one, and that is contend false teachers that deny the deity of Christ. Be careful of those who deny that Jesus was deity, that he really is the Messiah. 
2 Peter chapter 2, 1 says this. Peter says this. But there were false... Now, by the way, I want you to see something different about Peter and Jude. Now, just, now watch it. Now, now there's, they're saying the same thing, but in a different way. Peter is talking in the past tense. Jude will be speaking in the present tense. Peter said in the future tense, he made this statement. But there were false teachers also among the people. Now watch it. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now take note, he warned us here, there shall be false teachers. Now, what did Jude say in verse 4? For there are, present tense, certain men crept in unawares. May I say something to you? The book of Jude was written the first century. So if they had false teachers then, and they did, Jude says so, in the first century, how about the 21st? We've got them right now in our country, in our world, false teachers. Now, in conclusion, Jude described men at their worst and God at his best. Paul and Peter had foretold that these false teachers would come, but Jude spoke of them as being already here. That means you need to contend for the faith. How can you do that? Well, first of all, you better read the book, this book. Now, it's okay to read commentaries. I do that myself. Nothing wrong with that, but be careful what you're reading. And have you noticed sometimes they disagree? Therefore, you know the best thing, what the best thing is? Just take the Word of God for what it says. If you don't understand it, ask the Lord to help you, and He will. Help you understand. I'll be honest with you. There are certain things in the Bible that I don't comprehend. I don't understand it. So what do I do about that? Just believe it and go on. It's hard to believe. How in the world can somebody be born of a virgin? That was God. God did that. He can do a lot of things. He can do all things. Anything anyway that doesn't contradict his holiness. Need to contend for the folk, for the for the faith. That's very important, ladies and gentlemen. Please understand.